And we're going to turn to the book of Colossians. We go Colossians chapter 3, <laughs> verses 1 through 6. Colossians 3, 1 through 6. And we'll read this responsibly. I'll read the odd verses. You read the even verses. And we'll begin verse number 1 there. If ye then be risen with Christ, seek those things which are above, where Christ sitteth on the right hand of God. Set your affection on things above, not on things on the earth. For ye are dead, and your life is hid with Christ in God. When Christ, who is our life, shall appear, then shall ye also appear with him in glory. Mortify therefore your members which are upon the earth, fornication, uncleanliness, um, inordinate affection, evil concupiscence, and covetousness, which is idolatry. For which things sake the wrath of God cometh on the children of disobedience. And let's pray. God, we do thank you so much, Lord, that we have an opportunity now to open your word, to hear the preacher, the man of God, preach to us. I ask you to help us, Lord, that we would listen, and Lord, we would be able to gather a truth that we could use in our lives. Lord, we thank you so much. So many truths are packed here in this passage. Help us, Lord, give us understanding, give us wisdom. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. Keep your Bible open. We're going to look at it here in a moment, but I want to talk to you for a second, and then we'll jump into the sermon. Uh, Brother Anthony, can you kill that fan for me for a second here? I don't normally say that, but for some reason, it's getting me tonight. Uh, now, <laughs> you're freezing, huh? <laughs> you got to get some meat on them bones, that's why. Uh, we must realize, as hard as it is, that our own sin is our worst and biggest enemy. Let me say that again. Our own sin is our worst and biggest enemy. Almost every problem we have is due to our sin, listen to this, or how we react to somebody else's sin. You can say what you want, but I just broke down the Christian life for you. Our biggest problem is the person we look at in the mirror. Uh, For us to live the way God wants us to, to be victorious, to be successful in God's eyes, we can't lose sight of how sinful we are in our own eyes. Can I tell you something? As you see people in Scripture who got closer to the Lord, they never said, look at me. They said, woe is me. These, uh, I call them fake preachers, uh, false prophets. Oh, I got a vision of God, and look what God showed me, and look how wonderful I am. No, the closer you get to God, the more you say, woe is me. I'm unclean, I'm undone. See, the closer you get to God, the more you see your sin as it really is. And if we're not careful, we can whitewash ourselves into thinking we're pretty good. You say, why is that? Because we're used to looking around and not looking up. We're used to looking at other sinners and not used to looking at God. Because of our sin, listen to this statement, we tend to only see life now. We only see life as it is right now and how it affects us right now. We look at this short journey called life and we want to get out of it all we can. Now, listen to this next statement. We, in our sinful state, seem to think this life is ours. But it's not. We must get all we want out of it. 
No. <laughs> this is the one that's going to hurt. That is a very lost, natural man, unsaved way of thinking. Well, I've got to get everything I can out of this life. No. I want you to notice something in Scripture. Look at verse number 1 of Colossians 3. If ye then be risen with Christ, seek those what? Things. Circle the word things or underline it. Which are above. Where Christ sitteth on the right hand of God. Set your affection on what? Things above. Not on things on earth. Notice three times in two verses God's talking about things. Go down to verse number six. For which things sake the wrath of God cometh. Now, very interesting. When we get saved, we get the Holy Spirit and our spirit, our, 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 our spirit's reborn and the Holy Spirit indwells us. He's able to guide us. But we also get eternal and everlasting life. That means this, to the saved person, this life is only a means by which to prepare us for living forever. Our life as a Christian is merely preparation for eternal and everlasting life. You didn't kill that thing, did you? you gotta push the, it, it, it just quit. I felt, felt it, all right? Kept thinking, I'm not going to look and check on it, but I can still feel that thing, Amen. His popcorn went out or something. <laughs> now, as a saved person, our real life does not begin until we get to heaven. This is just the preparatory stage. That's why God says in 1 John chapter 3, verse number 14, that we pass from death unto life. We don't go from life to death. We go from death to life. In other words, we're living now as saved people preparing for everlasting life. This is why God tells us in Colossians 3.2 that we're to set our affections on things above and not things on the earth. Notice God says we're to set our affections on things above, eternal things, things that last forever, not things on the earth. Can I tell you something? Everything down here is going to rot away, corrupt, and die. Plain and simple. Uh, God tells us then, uh, look down in verse number five. Very interesting word. Mortify, therefore, your members which are upon the earth. Now look at me. That word mortify. Have you ever heard of a mortician? Means they deal with death, right? Dead bodies. God says that he wants us to mortify or kill or bring to death certain things. And he talks about several things here. Uh, fornication, uncleanness, inordinate affections, evil concupiscence, and covetousness, which is idolatry. That statement jumped out at me recently. In a way I never saw before. You see, God calls covetousness idolatry. Just like setting up a statue and 
praying to a statue, God says our covetousness is idolatry. Now that's pretty serious stuff. In Genesis 3 verses 5 and 6, when man sinned, the first sin, honestly, was covetousness. Man set himself up as his own God. He wanted what God said not to have. He chose what he wanted over what God wanted. And when we want the things that we want versus wanting the things that God has for us, we are covetous and we are idolaters. We are setting ourselves up as a God. Covetousness is man getting whatever man wants. He sees, he desires, he gets. It's desiring the things on earth more than desiring the things God wants. Now listen to me very carefully here. When we think what we want is more important than, what, than obeying God, we're in trouble. I'm not saying having things is sinful. And I'm going to talk about that in a minute here. But some of us are guilty of idolatry because we spend so much of our time on our things that we don't spend as much time doing what God wants. Number one. Everybody doing okay? I love you. Smile. You're not going to smile in a minute. God says covetousness is idolatry. God does not say that covetousness is like adultery, idolatry. He said covetousness is idolatry. When we choose the things we want over the things God wants, we have just set ourselves up as our own God. That's pretty powerful. This means uh, instead of uh, a statue or something man made as a God, we become our own God. Is that not what Satan promised Adam and Eve? You could be like gods, knowing good and evil. He said you could be your own God. Yeah, idolatry, covetousness. Eve, look, it's a tree to be desired, make you wise. It looks good, it smells good, it tastes good, it feels good, and you could be like God. You could be your own God. And look what the mess we're in today. I want you to take your Bible, turn to 2 Corinthians chapter 5. Keep your finger in Colossians 3 or stick your finger there or stick your finger in somebody's ear or whatever. Uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 5. We're going to flip back and forth in a second here. I had you mark four times in Colossians 3 the word things. Remember? All right. Now watch this. 2 Corinthians chapter 5. Look at verse number 17. Therefore... If any man be in Christ, he is a what? New creature. Old what? Okay, look at me. <coughs> he didn't say your old nature. He said, old things are passed away. Behold, all things become new. 
See, we focus on, well, once you get saved, everything in your life has to change. No, not everything in your life has to change. But what has to change is this, what you want over what God wants. The things that we want, the sinful pleasures, the sinful things, the wrong things in life that we choose over obeying God. Old things are to pass away. Mortify. And behold, all things become new. We read in Colossians 3, set not your affection on things on earth, but set your affections on things above. So when we get saved, what God wants us to do is to change what things we want. You see, covetousness is me wanting what I want, not wanting what God wants. I'm, I'm, I'm not trying to be unkind here. We've preached that verse way too wrong. Oh, you got to leave everything and be a total. I got saved at four and a half years old. I really didn't have to change a whole lot. I'm sorry. You say, why? I hadn't smoked. I hadn't drank alcohol. I hadn't done any of those things. I didn't even run with the wrong girls. They still had cooties back then. Amen. I may have pulled their hair in the nursery or something, but that's about the worst. Uh, so it wasn't that there was a big change in my life, but God said that the old things, the desire for the things that I should not have should change, and I should desire things above, things eternal, setting not our affection on things on the earth. Boy, that's good stuff. Amen. Now, hang on for a second here. Having things is not wrong. Coveting things because others have them or because you can't control your impulse to have them is wrong. Yes, <laughs> Come here. Put your Bible down. You're going you're gonna to play a part you can handle. This is a dirty, wicked, old, filthy, rotten sinner. <laughs> he smokes and he drinks. Not water either. <laughs> now, wait a minute. There are 411 programs out there, Christian and non-Christian, drug addiction, dependence programs, 10-step, 7-step, 2-step, 7-step, whatever. I can, I can help you in one step. After you get saved, set your affections on things above, not on things on earth. Well, I just can't give up the habit of drinking, preacher. Yes, you can. Set your affection on things above, not things on earth. I can't give up the cigarettes. Yes, you can. You're an idolater, and what you want is more important than what God wants. Why don't you get right with God and quit setting yourself up as God and say, I'll set my things above, not things on earth. It doesn't matter what sin you're in and what things you want. Uh, you run from credit card to credit card to credit card and keep changing the interest rates and all the different things because you got to buy all these things. Now you got to work overtime just to pay for your things that you didn't really need. Good. Thank you. You can have a seat. You did play that part very, very well. Yeah. Now, can I tell you something? Having things is not wrong, but us wanting them or having them at the wrong time can be. Most people want things here so badly that they cannot pay for. So now they have high credit debt. They have high interest rates. And they don't have time now 
to be spiritual because they're too busy paying for what they wanted. And what they're saying is, God's not big enough to give me what I want, so I'll get it myself. Well, maybe God said no. Maybe God said not right now. Everybody doing okay? Man, I feel like I'm on an island all by myself. My wife and I are going to take a trip for our 35th wedding anniversary. We were going to do it for our 25th, and then my son got married. There goes that money. We decided we'd do it for our 30th. My daughter got married on our 30th. So we're going to do it for our 35th. And if Jeff gets married, I ain't coming. <laughs> now, <laughs> everybody doing all right? Uh, this is something we've wanted to do for over 10 years. And honestly, probably closer to 25 or 30 years. And we're, we're gonna, we, we've been saving and saving and saving and saving and saving and saving. Say, well, could you have done, I could have done it anytime I wanted to go in debt to do it, but I'm not going in debt to do it. There are some things in life worth waiting for. Uh, there are some things that you put on hold. You say, well, how come you didn't go when you originally planned? Because the money was needed elsewhere for somebody's wedding twice. Not the same person, two different people. Sorry. Thought I'd better clarify that. You see, I'm not going to put myself into a place where I become an idol because I want something so badly. Everybody doing okay? Uh, hang on. Uh, turn to Proverbs chapter 21. I'm going to let God talk for me. Amen. Proverbs chapter 21. Proverbs chapter 21. Look at verse number 25. Proverbs 21, 25. The desire of the slothful killeth him, for his hands refuse to labor. He coveteth greedily all the day long, but the righteous giveth and spareth not. You know, the slothful person doesn't want anything but for everything in life to be given to him. One of the problems in America today is we're giving young people too much. We've taught them to be greedy. Everybody doing okay? That's why welfare is dangerous. You give, it was Thomas Jefferson that said, a government that will give you everything you want is powerful enough to take everything you have away. And boy, are we seeing it in today's world. Proverbs, I'm sorry, Psalm chapter 10, verse number 3, the Bible says, The wicked boasteth of his heart's desire, and blesseth the covetous whom the Lord abhorreth. The wicked through pride of his countenance will not seek after God. God is not in all his thoughts. Everybody look at me for a second. Before you want that next drink, Brother Anthony, of alcohol, I'm teasing. Before you want it, sit down before God and say, God, would you bless this alcohol to the benefit of my body? Would you bless it and use it to help me help others? I'm not a Catholic priest that's drunk tonight in a bar somewhere that's done that. Be doing okay? I'm not afraid to say it. Before you suck on the next cancer stick or take a big plug of chew or whatever, say, Lord, bless this to my body. And if you go against what God says, then you set yourself up as your own God. 
Don't get mad at me. Get mad at God. He's the one that said it. Covetousness. When, well, I just got to have it. That's covetousness. Everybody doing okay? You see, here's the sin of covetousness. Here's the, the criminality of covetousness. And I don't know how to say this any other way than to be blunt with it. Some of you are going to be really disappointed when you get to heaven. Because you've want, everything you've wanted here on earth, you bought yourself and are still trying to pay for. And when you get to heaven, you've got nothing to look forward to. Because all you did is look forward to things here on earth, not things in heaven. My wife and I have looked forward to this trip for over 10 years. But can I tell you something? If it doesn't happen this next year, so be it. There's other things going on. Now, we're planning on doing it. In a couple of weeks or in another week or two, I'll be buying tickets. So we're going to do it. But may I say something? If for some reason it didn't happen, it's okay. I'm going to heaven. I got more things going on in heaven than I got going on here. You see, when you get everything you have, that you want here, you're losing reward in heaven. Because you're not desiring things above, you're only desiring things here on earth. All your desires are for what's here, not what's there. Number two. So I said, first of all, covetousness is idolatry. It's not like idolatry. God says in Colossians chapter 3, verse number 5, uh, and covetousness, which is idolatry. Now, God wrote it, and he said it pretty plainly. Don't, I think everybody in the room can understand it. Number two, we have affections on too many things here on earth. The word affection, are you ready? The word affection means likes, desires, fondnesses, what we allow to affect us. Affection is not love and tenderness. Affection is not, I hate to tell you this, affection isn't uh, touching and hugging and kissing and uh, holding hands and stuff that a husband and a wife do. Affection is our likes for things here on earth. You see, look at verse number five. Mortify, therefore, your members, which are upon the earth. Fornication. That's physical relationships before someone's married. Uncleanness. Boy, you talk about a perverted, unclean world in which we live. I'm not talking about just the cleanliness of our streets and our houses and stuff. This means unclean living, unhealthy. Inordinate affection. That's your alphabet soup crowd. That's this sexually perverse crowd. That's this you can't buy a car or a drink of water or a bottle of water without sex being involved. Evil concupiscence. We're not going to even go into that uh, for, for tonight. Now, look at verse 6. For which things sake the wrath of God cometh on the children of disobedience. In which you have also walked in uh, some time when you lived in them. In what? In those things. But now you also put off all these. Anger, wrath, malice, blasphemy, 
filthy communication out of your mouth. Lie not one to another, seeing not that you put off the old man with deeds and have put on the new man, which is renewed in knowledge after the image of him that created him. Notice the word, after the image of him. In other words, all the other things, we are the image of God. The other things are the image of Christ. Our old man is our idolatry. The new man is what God wants. Now look at this very carefully here. (laughs) When we become disobedient to God and things become more important, then we start missing church. We have to work to pay for the things. I realize not everybody can be in every church service. And I realize sometimes you're required to work during the church time. I'm, I'm not talking about that. But what I'm talking about is when you've spent so much that you can't pay for it, now you have to work then. Um, Well, I can't afford to tithe, preacher. (laughs) You can't afford not to. But when you choose to spend your tithe on something else, you've just become your own God. I didn't say it. God did. That's when we don't have time to witness to somebody. We don't take time to stop and talk to somebody. I just got a text. I I talked to a group of uh, veterans in in my neighborhood yesterday. And one of them texted me and said, hey, one of the men was asking about your church. I gave him your phone number, and he's interested in coming to your church. Say, why? Because I gave gospel tracts out. I wasn't afraid of what I said. I was very bold with it. I wasn't rude, but I was very bold. Can I tell you something? I don't know what God's going to do, but God does. Uh, The more, uh, by the way, that's why people will spend more time with their things than they will. Uh, There's nothing sinful in having a boat, but I wonder how many people were out in a boat fishing or having fun this summer instead of being in church or a camper or a rental somewhere. Again, I'm not saying a vacation is wrong. What I'm saying is, I wonder how many people get involved in things that take them out of church. Well, i got to have quality family time. Well, I don't know how you're going to have quality family time if you're not spending time with God. Amen. Plain and simple. You see, 1 Timothy 6.10, and we won't take time to turn there, the Bible says that uh, the love of money is the root of all evil. God did not say money was the root of evil. The love of it. And the love of it means I've got to have these things. I'm going to turn my back. I wonder how many garages, sheds, outbuildings, basements are filled with things that we had to have that we're still paying for that are broken or we don't use. Everybody doing all right? Go to your garage and look at your idols. Go to your basement and look at your idols. Because that's what you paid for. Everybody doing all right? Man, I'm having fun right now. Matter of fact, God says in 2 Timothy chapter 3, go ahead and turn there. And say, preacher, why do you preach like this? Because God told me to in 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse number 2. Look at verse number 1. This know also that in the last days perilous times shall come. 
For men shall be lovers of their own selves. What's the next word? Okay, you sound like a bunch of heathen here. What's the next word? Covetous. Boasters. Proud. Blasphemers. Disobedient to parents. Unthankful. Unholy. Without natural affection. Truce breakers. False accusers. On and on and on and on. But notice the first thing he said was lovers of them own selves and covetous. In other words, God said, a sign of the end days is how covetous man is. Why do you think in some of the big cities in America, the stores are shutting down because people are going in and are told they can take whatever they want without paying for it and there's no consequences by the police department? I read an article this morning, a guy in L.A., somebody stuck him up outside his house with his wife and baby inside and he turned around and cut loose with a gun on him. Now the police department wants to hang him, but it's all on video. And he's railing on the police department for making him the bad guy when these people have been known and already, they, they did catch him, found out they've been doing a string of them, like six of them in that neighborhood. Finally got somebody that had enough guts legally carrying and stopped it. Well, we have to prove that they weren't running away. They both had guns pointed at him. He just happened to pull the trigger twice as fast, amen? Now, wait a minute. <laughs> Let me teach you something about <laughs> coveting. This is, this is something that, if you'll get, will help you. The more we covet, the appetite then is set for wanting more. Did you know the only way to satisfy an appetite is to increase the appetite? You don't eat pizza one time and say, oh, that's wonderful. Never want that again. No, the appetite is created so that you increase the appetite wanting it more and more. And when you start getting things you want and you don't curb the appetite, you become your own God. You see, the appetite is only satisfied by increasing the appetite. If you never drink alcohol, you never have an appetite for alcohol. If you never suck on a cancer stick, you'll never want to smoke cigarettes or cigars. Say, but preacher, no, if you never do it, you don't create the appetite. And those things are made to create appetite so that it increases the appetite to spend your money and take you to heaven or hell faster. You see... We have to understand that uh, that appetite, that's why the announcement about uh, boys and girls running around, you know, it's okay when they're four, five, or six it may seem, but wait till they're 14, 15, and 16 running around in the dark by themselves. Do you really want that? Well, we've created the appetite back here. So let's fix it before the appetite is created. Boy, that's good stuff. Amen, preacher. Turn to Second Peter chapter 2. I'm glad Brother Anthony's on platform main men and me tonight. Second Peter chapter 2, look at verse number 1. But there were false prophets among the people. Even there shall be, also, uh, shall be false teachers among you who privately shall bring in damnable heresies, even denying the Lord that bought them and 
bring upon themselves swift destruction. And many shall follow their pernicious ways, by reason of whom the way of truth shall be evil spoken of. Sounds like religious people today, doesn't it? And calling us a bunch of kooks and, and we don't know what we're talking about. Oh, that church is a cult. Verse 3. And through covetousness shall they with feigned words make merchandise of you. That sounds like Joel Olstein. Joyce Myers. They are making merchandise of you through their covetousness. And then they build on your covetousness. Look, you could be like us if you do what we do. Just give us more money. And through covetousness shall they with feigned words make merchandise of you, whose judgment... Now of a long time lingereth not, and their damnation slumbereth not. For if God spared not the angels that sinned, but cast them down to hell, and delivered them into the chains of darkness to be reserved unto judgment, and spared not the old world, but saved Noah, the eighth person, a preacher of righteousness, bringing flood upon the world, the ungodly. And he goes on and on and on and on, but I want you to notice something. The, the religious world is counting on your covetousness. Oh, let's make it easier for people to tithe. Just give us your banking information and we'll take it out as a direct debit. Well, it's going to be a cold day where the booger man lives before we ever do that. That's as wicked as hell. God says, bring ye all the tithes into the storehouse. He didn't say, let the storehouse take it out of, the, out of your bank account. Everybody doing okay? I don't trust anybody that wants to do that. Sorry. Say, well, preacher, I know a church. I know a bunch of them. But it's not happening here. I know churches that put ATMs in so that it makes it easier for people to do this. And you can use your credit card to tithe with. Eh, wrong answer. Credit card's not your money. That's Visa and MasterCard's money, not yours. Everybody doing okay? Okay, moving on. That one hurt. Health and wealth prosperity gospel garbage. Tele-evangelists. Non-denominational churches that, uh, uh, entertainment centers that you move up the leadership as, as you give more and more money. What a bunch of garbage. Covetousness. Well, if I give more, then I can get closer to the pastor and his wife. There's a church in this area that the more money you give, the closer to the pastor and his wife you get. Well, I hate to tell you something. If you don't put nothing in the pot, guess what? You're going to be as close to us as somebody that gives the most around here. Because I don't know who put what in. And I don't care. Everybody doing all right? Man, I'm having fun. So I said, first of all, covetousness is idolatry. It's not like idolatry. Number two, we have our affections on too many things here on earth now. Let me make one more statement about that, and then I'll go into point number three, and we'll go home because you can't handle any more than that. Do you want things here more than you want in eternity? Some of you ought to go home and have a great big garage sale. 
get rid of a bunch of the gods in your house. I'm not saying that Christians are supposed to live dirt poor. But what I'm saying is, we've got a wealth of things sitting there doing nothing. That we're still paying for that either broke or we don't even know we had because we threw it in a pile somewhere. And we've got four of them because we couldn't find the first three. Okay, that got personal. I went from preaching to meddling real fast there, didn't I? Man, preacher, you should have told us to wear our steel-toed boots too late. Number three, let's learn to set our affections on things above. Colossians 3.1, if ye then be risen with Christ, seek those, what's the next word? Things, Things which are above. Where Christ sitteth on the right hand of God. Set your affections on things above and not on things on the earth. Can I tell you something? God's given me the ability to have a nice truck. But if that thing gets wrecked tomorrow, guess what? It's okay. I hope it doesn't. But may I say something? As long as my wife is okay, as long as I'm physically able to keep pastoring, we'll be, we'll be fine. It's a piece of metal and plastic and rubber, and it, it can be replaced. You see, we, we get so wrapped up in things. I'd rather have more people saved than have another new car. I'd rather obey God than have a bigger house. I'd rather see people's lives changed and influence this area and see God work in a powerful way in my life, in my family's life, and in this church's life than to have a whole bunch of things. You see... We, we, we set way too much. Well, preacher, I got to have this other gun. I'm glad for you if you get it. I got enough guns to take care of whatever I need done. Say, well, preacher, what do you want? More people to come to church. There, there's very little, very few things I want. My wife and I were talking on our trip. She, she asked me the year-long question. What do you want for Christmas? Absolutely nothing. I really don't. There's, there, there's not a thing I could want. I'm serious. <laughs> and I live comfortably. But there's not a lot of things I really want. I, I want to see people saved. I want to see people come to church. I want to see lives changed. I want to reach people. I want to see children's families changed for the right. I want to see uh, Christians' lives changed to where they fall in love with God and the word of God. And they see God work in their heart. Hey, I'll take that over a new toy or a new gun any day. Amen. Some of you pray to the PlayStation. Is that the right word? i got to talk to the millennial. You want to confuse a millennial, give him a tape player. Yeah, he had to go on Google to find one, amen? You see, we, we, we set our affections too much on things here on earth. Hebrews chapter 13, let me read a verse to you. And I'll hurry up, I've got about six or seven minutes here. Hebrews chapter 13, it's in here, I promise you. There it is, Hebrews chapter 13, verse number five. Let your conversation be without covetousness and be content with such things as you have. 
For he hath said, I will never leave thee, nor forsake thee. Brother Jim, I really mean this. I'd rather reach more people than have another thing. I don't, my wife and I don't talk about all the things we want. Because we want very few things. Say, why? We got what we wanted. You. Sometimes we got a little more than we wanted. No. Uh, but uh, we, we want to see God use us. I long to see God use me. I'd like to live long enough for God to, to use me the way he wants to. 1 Timothy chapter 6. We read one more set of verses here, verse 6 through 9. But godliness with contentment is great gain. For we brought nothing into this world, and it is certain we can carry nothing out. And having food and raiment, let us therewith be content. But they which be rich fall into temptations and a snare and into many foolish and hurtful lusts which drown men in destruction and perdition. For the love of money is the root of all evil. I didn't say having money. The love of money. Maybe we ought to start quit buying things and start putting some things away for our families for the next generation. Well, I just can't seem to do that, preacher. Then have a sale. Curb your desires. When my wife and I first got married, our, our honeymoon was paid for by a family member. We flew Piedmont Airlines to Orlando, Florida. That's how long ago that was. You don't, many of you don't even know there was a Piedmont Airline. And we spent a week there almost and flew back. I, we didn't have two nickels to rub together. We had a good time. We did. I can I tell you something? We decided when we were newly married, and I think honestly before we got married, we decided we weren't going to take big cruises and big fancy vacations till the kids were reared. I'm sure we could have taken some along the way. But my kids wouldn't have had all they want, needed. Wouldn't have been able to take care of their needs. So we just didn't do it. The kids are gone. Praise the Lord. I sold the house they grew up in and they don't have keys to my house. Amen and glory to God. Now wait a minute. We're finally going to do some things that we have never done before. I'm be honest with you. I'm a little nervous about it because I have never done it. I'm not afraid to travel, but I'm not used to, I got to do something all the time. Uh, we were in Texas last week and we had Saturday morning. We didn't do anything until 11 o'clock and 1115 in the morning. When you get up at 4.30, there's a lot of hours between 4.30 in the morning and 11.15 of nothing. So I got up. I worked for a couple hours. She got up. I said, I'm going to take it a walk. I took about a mile and a half, two-mile walk, came back, worked for a little while. I was looking for things to do. She said, take another walk. 
I took three walks that morning just to get out of her hair. Say, why? I got to have something. And I had plenty of work with me, but I just, I just had to get moving. I think I took her on a walk or two while we were there. Uh, you say, but, but pre- I got to have something to do. My idea of vacation isn't going somewhere, sitting there doing nothing. I read over half of the New Testament. I read the book of Ezekiel. I started on another book of the Bible. I worked on five sermons. I put together 15 different radio broadcasts. And I read a 230-page book on Patton while I was gone. On top of preaching and counseling, and visiting, and helping. You say, why? Because I can't sit there and do nothing. It drives me up a wall. Can I tell you something? (laughs) I just want to help. Let's learn to desire what God wants. Psalm 37 talks about us uh, uh, getting the desires That God will give us the desires of our heart. It does not mean that we will get everything we want. When you start setting your affections on things above, God changes what you want. We ought to ask God to change our wanter. Change our desires. Not give us everything we want, but change our desires to match his desires. And let's learn to set our affections on things above, not on things on earth. You mortify by killing it. Kill those desires. I've got to go spend two or three hundred dollars on this. Go kill it and wait till you have the two or three hundred dollars and don't put it on a credit card. Well, that might take too long. Then kill it till you have it. But I got to No, 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 no. It, it's not an emergency. Unless the bone's sticking through the skin or you're bleeding out, it's not that bad. But it, it's what I want. I know it's what you want, but what you want might have to wait a while. <laughs> this trip's waited over 10 years for my wife and I. Guess what? It's still there. The place hasn't moved. Everybody doing okay? Man, I'm having fun right now. Colossians 3, 6, though. For which things sake, the wrath of God cometh on the children of disobedience. When we start coveting and getting what we want and taking away from God, he said, the wrath of God will come on it. I don't know about you, but I don't like it when my, my dad got mad. I can tell you when he's mad, trust me. Now, sometimes he's just blowing steam, and it's okay. It's cold steam. But you know when dad's mad. In no uncertain terms, you'll know when that man's mad. I love my wife, but you'll know when she's mad. I mean, you'll know it. I got to be careful here. Recently, she had to correct a younger person. 
later in the day, she was, now, I want you to know, I love you. I happened to hear it. I went to her and said, were you convincing that person or were you convincing yourself that you love them? <laughs> no, I love that. I said, I know that, but I'm not sure they did at the time. <laughs> now, wait a minute. Uh, you know when somebody's upset. I don't want God mad at me. I don't want God's wrath on me because I got everything I wanted and he didn't get anything he wanted from me. You know, maybe we ought to quit setting ourselves up as Buddha, as our own God. We have houses and things filled with stuff we want, and we got what we wanted, and it's full of our idols. Well, preacher, I don't worship it. Yes, you do, because that's money you could have used for God, and that's money you could have used for your family. It cost you time away from God and doing the things of God that he wanted done, and it may be that he wanted to give it to you. You just got too, too far ahead of him. It's that simple. Set not your affection on things on earth, but things above. Every head bowed, every eye closed, I'm done.